Hello, hello, and welcome to the Embody Your Soul podcast. I am your host, Alexandra Shelley, also known as a modern medium. And the mission of this podcast is to create a sacred space for us all to tap in and discover how we can connect to our divine self through spiritual connection and best practices. If you are new here, thank you so much for finding me. And if you are a regular listener, thank you so much for coming back every week to listen in on the magic. If you haven't already, make sure to give this podcast a follow wherever you love to listen and share with your friends, loved ones, coworkers, and whoever is into and again, down for the magic. And if you would like to work with me and figure out what would be best for us to work together, simply head to my website at themodernmedium.co where I have several unique ways to serve you, whether that's through a mentorship container, a one-on-one reading, a bundle of sessions, and by request, a Voxer container. And again, if you would also like to follow me on another platform, head to Instagram and find me at themodernmedium underscore. Hello, you guys. Thank you so much for being here and listening wherever you are, whatever you're doing. I am really excited about this episode and this guest. She is absolutely stunning. This gorgeous human reached out to me to be on my podcast and I'm going to be honest, I've gotten weird requests before where I'm like, all right, I'm over it. But there was something about Meg's energy that was so sincere and so genuine and absolutely gorgeous. But also what she does is so up my alley and I'll probably be needing her help in the future anyways when I begin to write my books And let's just get into who this beautiful woman is. So her name is Meg Calvin, and she is a writing and marketing coach who helps writers do the deep spiritual work to create their Amazon best-selling books. And after 15 years as a minister, Meg began serving nonfiction and memoir writers who are fellow, as she refers to them, spiritually attuned go-getters back in 2020. And regardless of their book's topic, a spiritual attuned go-getter is a writer who not only has a high-frequency service of others, but also believes that ambition is holy and that birthing a book is truly a divine process. So through Meg's intuitive gifts and time-tested writing and marketing techniques and at times unconventional practices, she guides writers in forever unblocking those deep subconscious blocks around their identity, their time, their unique writing style, monetizing and marketing their book and their book's target audience, just to name a few. As these become unblocked, the writer becomes unstoppable in hers, in hers, oh my God, his, her, their path and birthing their beautiful book. This episode, you guys, I found myself like going to the notes section while she was talking and quoting what she was saying because so many beautiful wisdom bombs from this woman. And I loved hearing about her story. I loved hearing about just how much she loves this work. And you can just feel it in her voice. You can 
feel it in her energy. She is so, so amazing. And really in this episode, we talk about why is writing and how writing is such a spiritual process and her method and how she begins to work with her clients. I also really wanted to learn about why this? How did she come about this? I'm already repeating her bio. I'm thinking, hey, she has a really interesting story. I mean, I want to learn about her. And we just, we laugh. We just had so much fun. And honestly, this is the perfect episode for anyone who is feeling just creatively blocked. If they feel they have a beautiful idea in them, whether it is a book or it's any kind of creative idea, and you are really seeking the permission, you are seeking the spark of inspiration. And I'm telling you, Meg is magic. She is absolutely amazing. And this episode is just absolutely stunning. If you would love to figure out how you can work with Megan or just simply connect with her, head to her website at megcalvin.com and then head to her Instagram at heymegcalvin. She's also on Facebook at Maggie Calvin. And then you could also find her on TikTok at Meg Calvin. All the beautiful things and I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Again, thank you so much, you guys, for listening to this episode, for tuning in and let's just get right to it. Oh my goodness. Hello, Meg. I'm so excited to chat to you on the podcast. And I'm also so excited to chat to you and be connected with you in general because you're coming at a time that is very synchronistic in my life. Spirit is very eager for me to get back into writing, but also get back, no, not get back into, but get motivated to start thinking about writing a book and just you are literally that person to help these spiritual leaders and anyone in the space to write their book. And I'm just so excited to talk to you again. So thank you. My pleasure. This is such an honor. I've been so served by your podcast and um, blown away by your your gifts and your energy is electric. I I love that so much. Um, listening to lots of mediums and their podcasts and learning from other intuitives, your energy is very unique and it's it is so much like a cheerleader. And I I love the electricity that you bring to the game so much. The modern day mystic is a perfect. I love I love your brand. <laughs> Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Yeah, I I definitely I obviously love being. You know, there's of course an importance to uphold tradition and be professional but I mean my goodness the very a part of the very essence of my soul is to be silly and exuberant I'm like I'm not gonna not be myself in this space so that makes me so happy that <laughs> you love it and you connect um it means the world to me so yes. a question as you know is since you've been listening to a couple of my episodes I love to start off this podcast with asking the question in your own words what does it mean to embody your soul Oh, I love this question. To embody my soul, the first thing that dropped on my head is to receive pleasure, to receive pleasure, whether that's 
feeling the bass guitar in a pop punk rock song and like letting my sacral chakra dance to that unabashedly, that kind of pleasure or the pleasure of kissing the top of my child's head or her forehead or the pleasure of eating the best medium rare ribeye that my husband smokes for me on the, the flat top to orgasmic pleasure, to the pleasure of accomplishing a best-selling book, to the pleasure of laughing with a friend till it, your stomach hurts. Yeah, pl- it's um, pleasure is embodiment of my soul. Oh, I loved every minute of that so, so much. And also, I'm ribeye is my favorite steak in the entire world. And that would be like my last meal when I when I pass away. I love ribeye. It is so good. I love that so much. I have my, boy- I have my boyfriend cook it for me always because he's so good at cooking steak. I love it. We have that in common. Yeah. And- do you have it medium rare or how do you have it? How does he cook it for you? Oh, of course. I... I love it medium rare. If it's more, I'd rather have it more on the rare side than overcooked for sure. Same. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I literally just wrote in a post this this season of life about my last meal being (laughs) a sweet potato with just butter and cinnamon and then a ribeye steak medium rare and then a piece of my grandmother's strawberry cake would be my last meal. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I love that so much. I'm right there with you. Uh, And I also love... I just, I also love that you went with your, just your initial feeling and the word, as you said, dropped on your head, receiving pleasure and just the pleasures of life, expressing mm-hmm. the pleasure within you and allowing the gift of pleasure to come to you. I love that so, so much. It made me so happy. And of course, let's just get right into, I mean, so your thing is about writing and expression and the spiritual process of a book. And I really want to learn selfishly, but also I think this will, of course, you know, inspire and entertain the listeners is your journey with um, writing. Like when did that come to you as a really important practice with yourself and spiritually as well? I remember when I was, goodness gracious, I started doing community theater when I was six, and I began writing plays around that same time too, and I I loved it. And I would tell these insanely crazy stories at show and tell, and there was a lot of a lot of stuff going on with my family life as a small child. So I was I was I did not like school. Um, did not like learning at school. I was very lonely, very sad. Lots of things around that, but. By second grade, I love school. Mr. Spriggs was my teacher, and he told my mom that um, he thinks I'm going to grow up and be a comedian based on these stories I would make up at store at show and tell. I so thank him for noticing my gifts. So that is I for as long as I and then I as we talked before, I at 13 began preaching, and looking back now, um, I was channeling, and that that's definitely a gift that I didn't have the the name for. But I had missionary grandparents, and they I would travel with them to churches and conferences, and um, I would sing and I'd preach. And um, so from the age of 13, I began working toward becoming a, a minister, and that's that's what I what I did from age 17 to 32, paid church staff minister. Um, 
picked a seminary based on curriculum writing and pastoral care. I wanted to study the brain and how it works. And that led, so I've always been writing in that sense. When my first book got picked up in 2017, that opened the door for conferences, to speak at conferences and to start coaching. I I began to notice that there were, that I was not alone, <laughs> that there were lots of people like me who were holy rollers, who were highly religious, and it was our religion and our religious indoctrinations that were holding us back from our book goals because of all these limiting beliefs around uh, monetizing the book, marketing the book, following and trusting their pleasure in writing the book, these limiting beliefs around their talent because of what they were trained in the church to believe about themselves. So that became my target audience was uh, uh, spiritually attuned go-getters. And I've been honored to serve them for three years now as a writing and marketing coach, helping them birth and release their best-selling books. Um, I, wait, what was that phrase again? It was like spiritual holy rollers? (laughs) Yes, yes. I was a recovering holy roller and, um, yeah, (laughs) still am recovered holy roller. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, first of all, loved that. Second of all, I so loved that because I know I remember like when I was like learning about you and like, you know, followed you on Instagram and stuff. And then we spoke a couple days ago about you know the the spiritual go-getters but then learning about the limitations that people felt with creating their book I did not think about that that is so interesting and would you mind kind of going into those some some of those limitations that people believe or I did believe Mm -hmm. yes Yes. So for re- these, these might apply to people that wouldn't identify as recovering holy rollers or as holy rollers or overcommitted Christians or Ned Flanders from The Simpsons, whatever Ned Flanders syndrome is what I used to have. <laughs> I see you're laughing. I can't hear you because you're muted because I know you're being muted because of the cough. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Ned Flanders syndrome is what I diagnosed myself with as a young person. So... In that vein, some popular limiting beliefs that I love helping clients get over so that they can birth their book and release their beautiful book is the belief that it is sinful and egotistical to, to market the book. That is one. If it's, if it's good, I've heard this so many times and I've been here. I was here 2016 when I started writing my first book. If it's my if my writing is good enough, I don't mean to make a funny voice. I'm making fun. I'm self-deprecating people. I'm self-deprecating. If my writing <laughs> if my writing is good enough, it'll speak for itself. And if God, if God wants it to serve people, I don't need to market it. And when we say those things, we are hiding because we're afraid. Um, and then we hide behind the religious indoctrination that it is it is sinful to self-promote. It's sinful to market. The other is it's sinful to want to monetize my book. I've heard Christians, overcommitted Christians, recovering holy rollers, myself included, has been here. I don't want to put my name on the front of the book. I don't, I, I'll blog under a different name. So I don't feel any glory and credit and joy of getting attention. I'm not going to put my name on it. I'm going to donate all the royalties to charity. And so that's a big money block around can I monetize my gifts of writing? Another popular limiting belief is 
there's lots of different ways we could describe this one, but it gets down to it's all divine feminine, which I have I have forgotten how to experience pleasure. And under that umbrella, that is, I have forgotten how to have fun. I have forgotten how to receive help and nurturing. I have forgotten how to trust my desires because the 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 clients I work with, I have yet to work. I've served thirty three and. Three years. I love all those threes. I know I said that when we talked recently, but I, I'm noticing the numerology there. Um, I have yet to work with someone. I'm open to it, but I haven't done it yet. That hates to write, and, and so I'm not a ghost writer. I've been asked to do it, but I won't do it because I believe the idea inside of my clients picked them as the conduit to birth it and release it. So I want to help them build their author brand and birth their bestseller. Um. So I've yet to work with an author that hates to write. And so I never have to work on making writing. Um, it's never like, oh, I just hate this so much. I've, I'm usually working, if someone has that block of I've forgotten how to have fun or receive pleasure or receive help or trust my desires, because some Christians believe um, this is egotistical and sinful of me to, along with my day job that I feel called to, as my vocation to also want to write my book. So they say things like that. And, and what really is happening is they have forgotten how to have fun, how to receive pleasure. And so we get to get over that one. And, um, another limiting belief is this one is this one. Those are, I've noticed those a lot in highly religious people because my clients are all over the theological spectrum. I think the other limiting belief that's coming up is not one that's specific to Holy Rollers. I think I got all those out. Yeah. This one is um, I'm not, and it's usually a subco- a deep subconscious story that's been running for years, and we get to get to the bottom of it and bring it out and rewrite it, reframe it, or get rid of it altogether. And that is the, uh, like I had this one running. I, I struggled in school. I did not like school. Therefore, I'm not smart enough to write a book. And um, so we get to work through that one as well. Those are Those are the most common ones that come up as limiting beliefs that hold someone back from writing a book. Those are so powerful. And I also even thinking about those, I mean, good Lord, it's also so symbiotic, which is life in general. Yeah. Just receiving pleasure with ease Mm -hmm. and allowing yourself and having fun and having joy and asking for help. Oh my gosh, how that is just so crazy. And so I would love to learn about a little bit about your journey, where you got to the point where you wanted to start writing a book. You wanted to start kind of letting go of these beliefs within yourself. I would just love to know what that process was like. And of course, for the listeners. Yes, it's such a funny story and exciting story. Where to begin? yeah yes so I had always loved writing like you writing in various forms loved it loved it loved it and it was it was it was yeah the best it's the best I describe my relationship with words as a cat getting a new feather toy that is how or or I describe it as you've had flirty chemistry with someone for two months and then you're on the second date with the person and you lean in for a kiss and and he leans back 
and that that moment, that is what writing feels like for me. Um, so it's always journal. I've always journaled. It's always been. So 2016, um, no, 2015. It doesn't matter. I give dates. So sorry. Um, I was, long story long, long story short, uh, I was told I wouldn't be able to have any more children. And so chromosome, trisomy 13 stuff, Google it, all that fun stuff. So I was like, oh, um, and I had a, I, I, my mom had told me when I was 16, by the way, probably you're going to be infertile. I was like, I don't care. I'm not, I, won't, I don't want babies. I want to be a nun. And so that obviously changed. I'm not a nun. I am a mom. <laughs> but I was told like, you won't be able to have any more. So in that season of life, I um, had to go have certain operations done. And when I was on the operation table, I felt a divine nudge. And because I have a stronger aptitude, as you and I both have shared of Claire audience, I heard spirit say to me, or God, source, universe, whatever word you want to use, um, say, um, it's time for you to birth books. I know that sounds so corny and lame, but that is what I heard and what I needed to hear. I, it's time for you to birth books. And it's time for you to birth a, your first one. I, I want it to help other children. So in my previous life as a minister, I worked with children and family and built nonprofit programs. And so the first book is um, The Blue Bonnet Child, How to Find Grace in Poor Soil. And it's all about um, how it's a how-to guide, how to offer hope to kids whose home life seem hopeless. And it's for children, serving children of um, abuse or neglectful situations. And so that was the, the first book I wrote, and it was a divine nudge, and I felt it. And then my and then I I I surrendered to it. I was like, okay, this is going to happen someday. And this is a really good the first step. I always tell people to take when they're like, what should my first step be? I want to write a book. This is the first step to take <laughs> is to is to um, not do what I did and agree and say someday, but to commit. So some months went by, and my husband and his he was part of a startup company nine years old now, but at that point, eight years old now, yay. Um, they, they moved him. They said, we want to build a night shift. Can you build our night shift? So he switched to working nights and I had a six month old. I was really whiny. I was such a whiny wife. I was like, Oh no, I need to go on a night shift. And then I realized, what am I going to do all this time? What am I going to do with all this time? And then I realized I could be writing. I have all this free time at night. So I birthed, I birthed my first book and, um, this has to also be said. I submitted it to eight publishing companies. Six said no, thank you, and two wanted it. And um, yeah, so Whiff and Stock picked it up in 2017. So that 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 was the story of the first book. I don't think I answered. So I guess the question you asked: How did I get over my limiting beliefs? Um, I I came to the realization, and I help clients get here too now which is if there is an I, your listeners are not narcissists. <laughs> so I can say this. Your listeners are people that are aiming for alignment and attunement with God and spirit every day. So I can say this. We can, we can trust ourselves as one that's aiming for alignment, as one that's taking, that has habits in place to be in tune with God. We can trust ourselves that if we have an idea within us to create something, it's there for two reasons. The first to give us joy and pleasure of creating that idea as divine co-creators. But the second reason it's there that's equally as important is it's because someone outside of us is thinking about that, needing that idea, and they're hungry and they're desperate to be served by it and they're praying for it and they're waiting for someone with your exact 
scars and experience, style, skill set, idea to birth that specific book. So that idea is in you because someone outside of you put it there. So it would be the most ethical thing to do is birth that book. And I felt such a divine conviction to write my first one. And that opened the door to making it a full-time job now of helping others birth theirs. Okay. So I had to write that down with what you just said. And it it really, really resonated with me. And I hope it resonates with listeners too who feel so much doubt in, you know, their dreams, their passions, their purpose. Well, everyone else is doing it. It's so saturated. Who would want to do this? Who would want to do this? It is out there for a reason. It is out there in your beautiful ether, in your consciousness. Mm -hmm. That idea exists because someone needs it. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. That is just so, so huge. And I'm so excited that you said that. And I'm so excited to like repeat that and even start saying that to myself. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's just so easy. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, I I know I meant, obviously, I'm a medium. I'm literally here. But, of course, I totally still deal with self-doubt. I to- I'm like, oh, well, this is silly. I feel kind of dumb. But I'm doing this because someone needs it. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, my God. Sorry. I just got so excited about that. And I really also, that book sounds really, really beautiful. That sounds really, mm-hmm. really amazing. And so I would love to hear more about, you building this confidence with this process and then how this became okay this is a divine nudge this is legit this is my purpose kind of thing Mm. are you aware of the enneagram i sure i'm sure you are who asked that kind of question you heard of it yeah i've heard of it but i haven't taken it myself i know the what do you call it i've done the i think it's called the myers-briggs where it's like the letters yeah 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, as an Enneagram, I think this applies to lots of people, but ex- especially applies to Enneagram threes, but um, myself, um, that is when we're wondering, so your question is, how did I know it was a divine nudge to write the book and then m- make it a full-time business? Is that right? Like, building the confidence that it was a divine nudge because Mm -hmm. I think what's happened with with me a lot at first is I'm like really like did that really happen and Mm. spirit just kind of keeps giving you those nudges yes and I guess for you to be like okay wait this is is this isn't a joke I wasn't just meant to Mm. write a book from spirit I was Uh, meant to do this with spirit yes 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 As for for myself, as an Enneagram, th- um, as an Enneagram three, my main goal in life, and it helped me survive in my relational systems growing up. And it, I don't, it doesn't serve me now. I've outgrown it, thankfully, and evolved. And that sounds pretentious. I have evolved, but but the Enneagram three, <laughs> the Enneagram three way of being is: I must at every cost, imp- at all cost, I must impress you. You must think I'm successful. You must think that I'm beautiful at all fucking costs, keeping up with appearances. Yeah. Right. So I have a very, 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 I have a very, I had a very impressive resume, like all Enneagram threes. And um, we also, most of the time, don't know ourselves at all. We don't know what we want because we've just been living this life from a place of 
what can I do to impress you? For the love of God, be impressed by me. Writing, however, was the one thing that I could do that I lost all track of time in. I got into flow easily and I could do it without ever needing or desiring applause. And so I listened to that. That helped. That, and then, of course, um, so the joy that I felt, the, the, how it came easier. I, I, I'm trying to say things that I think will not just specific to me, but specific to like these are, these would apply to everybody. Things that came easily to me to do well in, in writing, to serve, people were easily served by what I wrote. And people would ask me, how did you do that? That's so difficult. How could you ever write a book with a six-month-old and your husband wasn't home at night? Like you were a single, how'd you do that? And then to me, my response to that being, it was the easiest thing I ever did. It just flowed out of me. I think we can all take note of that, that those were our areas of genius. Those were our superpowers. Those were our magic. What comes easier, easier. I don't, obviously I have, I'm still working at my gift, but it's the amount of joy and the amount of ease and the amount of um, the feedback of that served me so well. So that started happening a lot. Your writing really served me. And then I felt the alignment of the, not only did that serve them, but I also felt joy because Enneagram threes, most people, not just Enneagram threes, we can sometimes get lost in the, oh, people like this. That means I should do it. Even if we don't feel joy, we still do it. So I think when there's both things happening. I feel joy, pleasure doing this with these skills of mine. And it's also serving people and I can't get enough of it. And I lose track of time doing it. And it comes to me easily um, noticing that. And then the I know the word now. I didn't have the word for this back in 2016, which is synchronicities. And so moments, uh, affirm, affirming moments coming up. And those are certain num- repeating numbers. Those are certain songs coming on when I make a certain decision. It's a feeling of peace in, in my body. And I I would all, I'm just, this is just coming, it keeps coming to me. So I'll say it. I would also suggest to, if there's a listener that is struggling with making decisions around their book, to do a little research in um, human design. There's so many people out there that can read your human design chart. And they'll, they will, my business coach shared this with me four years ago, which, which chakra is my authority and where I make my decisions from. I know you're probably totally know all this, but someone listening might not know it, but that really helped me to know, okay, my sacral chakra is my authority. And so I, I can 100% trust my gut to make a primal sound of uh-uh or uh-huh when I, I'm given an opportunity or what, how I want to live my day. And so learning how I was wired to make decisions spiritually, that also helped me to, to, um, to trust. And, um, and the final, last part of your question was, um, how'd you know it wasn't just one book, that it was a business? I have always wanted to coach. Even back in, in college, I even said, I think I, I'm, if, if ministry doesn't work out, I'm going to be a life coach. I literally said that as an undergrad student. And it's so funny. It's so funny how life works out because even in ministry for so many years, my favorite part was the one-on-one time with building up volunteers. So, but I think what, to land the plane, what took me from, okay, I can do one. It's not just one book. It's going to be a whole business. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be more than one book and I'm going to help others birth their books this is the, I should have just said this, this is what matters most, is that I noticed <laughs> so many people 
that had amazingly healing books within them. Like these books are going to change the world, raise the vibe of the collective consciousness. These books are healing, effective, holy, sacred, like holy moly, these books have to be born. That those books were, were hibernating inside of people that were held back by their religious doc- indoctrin- their religious indoctrinations that were limiting beliefs. And because I spoke their language as a trusted guide in the trenches, I thought this, I have to, I have to help birth. These books have to be in the world. They have to exist. So that's what, that's what led me to, to trust all those things played a part in that. Oh my goodness. I loved every minute of that. I literally wrote things you said down. Um, What's so, I feel that way too with writing and mediumship is I feel so much joy and pleasure and you saying like you felt so much joy and pleasure with writing. You lost track of time, but you didn't need praise. You weren't looking for accolades. You didn't care about impressing people. I feel that instinct is so huge. And I hope listeners that you really, really let that sink in because that's, that's everything. It's one of those it's just like kind of your lighthouse and guiding star for resilience and for consistency and showing up and doing it no matter what. So I I really, really resonated with that. And I also love how you emphasized how so many people have you you came across so many people that had so many healing books within them. And how that just even goes back to what Source said to you on the operating table is mm-hmm. you are here to birth books. And I just, it's like, it's like you're, you're like a book doula, <laughs> like a book birth doula. <laughs> I love it. So amazing. And so I know one of the, one of the topics, I feel like this is going in perfectly or segueing perfectly is something that I was really eager to talk to you about too is the matter of when the word you're having trouble with, with when the words aren't coming. I feel like I didn't say that right. Like, how do you write? How do you express? How do you get, you know, that out of you when the words don't seem to come? Yes. So I have five tips and I will keep them concise. And do you want me to pause in between each of the tips or just share or just share the ones that I feel will apply? Oh my gosh, so many beautiful options. I'm so sorry. I I have way too much content. Is it terrible to say do what you feel called to? No, that's awesome. I love it. I love that idea. I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, this one's coming to me. Okay. So... Saturday Night Live, Molly Shannon, comedic goddess. <laughs> I love how you're just setting the stage. That yes. Unbelievable. Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live. Late 90s, early 2000s, Molly <laughs> Shannon. She was an anomaly. The writers on the show said she did something that no comedian has ever done. And she would come into the writer's room and she'd say, I have this new character. And they'd say, oh, and they'd like get their 
they get their pens and paper and they're ready to to get to writing for her. And they will go tell us about this character. Tell us about this character that came to you. And she couldn't tell them. She would only show them. The characters would literally come to her in in a weird contorted facial expression or weird mannerisms or a funny walk or awkward posture. And that's all she would give them. And they would create an entire flipping sketch. And that was all she needed. So why do I bring this up now for we as writers? It's because sometimes we think we have to wait to take a move, to surrender to the idea, to tell the idea we love you, we trust you, we see you. We feel like we have to wait until we have it all perfectly planned out. What's Who's my ideal audience? Which, let that be known, comes to authors at different time in the process. What's my title? What's my genre? What's my subtitle? What's my backup book copy? How am I going to mark? Nope. Don't wait to move. Surrender to what you have. Be open. Be open to all the ways that your idea will present itself to you and receive it and take a first step toward it. Don't be like me on the operating table and think, okay, someday I'll do that. Commit today. Even if all you have, even if all your book idea has whispered to you is, I want this book to be like if Seth Meyers and a nun conceived a book baby. And they birth that book, baby. And that book is what my book is. It's going to be the, it's going to serve so many people. Well, what else do you know about it? That's all I know about it. But I'm committing to writing it today. That's the first step. Committing to what the, what the book has told you so far, knowing that the book idea will get louder and louder and louder and louder. Now that the book idea knows that you love it, you see it, you trust it and you hear it. And so that would be um, and and that that's that step, the Molly Shannon step, is something you recommit to every time you sit down to write. And that recommitting to that, having that way of being of, I don't have steps A through A through D, but I have my book idea is telling me this. It wants to start the chapter out. It wants to what? Like it's going to start the chapter out with with all the champagne glasses being broken in my memoir. And then I'm going to backtrack to how that happened. Well, that's okay. I'll do it. And so just just being open to how the idea weirdly presents itself to you. I love that so much. I would say that piece is so huge. And it actually really correlates and resonates with something I heard yesterday. So I was listening to a podcast episode this week from Jay Shetty and he had Mel Robbins on it which I love her my first book would not exist without her TED talk about the five second rule yep and I sent her I sent her a copy of Blue Bonnet Child because she's the reason that book exists okay hell yeah that's amazing I love Mel and something she said was you know, we need to start. Uh, she's like, my belief on confidence is just the willingness to try. Mm-hmm. And I think too many people wait until they're 100% ready, which really never happens. Mm-hmm. If you're at least 60% ready, go for it. Mm-hmm. You'll figure it out. And I just, yeah, and I, th- I just think that's so, so true. I mean, I've got the amount of times I've held myself back because I don't think I'm ready or I overthink the process or I overthink about me not knowing what the second step is. I mean, just take the first freaking step and then you'll find the next one, honestly. Yes, yes. It's that integration of the divine masculine, divine feminine. 
and taking, trusting, receiving the inspiration, divine feminine, then taking the first step, divine masculine. And I find that's a, that would be another tip actually to writing when you don't feel like it is to not, not hiding behind, this is related, I promise. I've seen some in the spiritual community hide behind their zodiac sign or their Enneagram number. And they're like, I'm a cancer, moon sign Pisces. I can't be organized. I can't have a right night. I can only write when it comes to me. It's like, no, you can't. I'm, I am a cancer, moon sign Pisces. And um, sun, sun cancer, moon Pisces. And I too love to write when I'm inspired. But sometimes I'm not. And I still dance the spectrum of the divine feminine, divine masculine. I dance the spectrum of structure and chaos as all the best authors and artists do. And because I dance that spectrum, I still show up to write every Thursday night. And getting my body and my whole being in that divine masculine rhythm, it opens up the space for the divine feminine because I'm regimented in my, in my, I'm, I'm not committed to my reasons. I'm committed to my results and I, and I don't hide behind my zodiac sign. Yes. I love that so much. I know it's so funny because astrology is really cool. And mm -hmm. I know I, I'm really eager to start learning more about it because I just only know, I mean, I know like my big three, I'm a Pisces sun, mm -hmm. Sag moon and Scorpio rising. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I do agree in the way where I'm like, I don't want to be rigid. I want to be free. I'm not meant to be put in a box, but then I realized it's, the total opposite actually what gives me freedom or when I feel actually really free sometimes is giving myself a ritual giving mm -hmm. myself a routine giving mm -hmm. myself something to feel accountable for and I would say that's such an important practice of creativity as well mm -hmm. because it's just like training a dog or literally you know <laughs> raising a child it's like a really happy kid is a kid that has boundaries a really happy dog yeah. is a dog that has boundaries. I believe a really happy creative is mm. someone who has at least some kind of boundaries in the sense of self-respect mm -hmm. and saying no, saying yes, and honoring their energy. It's It doesn't have to be, I'm now finding out, like it doesn't have to be like four o'clock every day <laughs> I have to write. Like that actually would be like... Like that might mm -hmm. actually be too much for me. What I actually did was I said to myself, the minimum amount of days I'm going to write is at least three times a week, at least for 15 minutes, at least. That's my start. Boom. Um, and that's, I could probably go smaller, but what I find and what's really, really beautiful, at least when you allow yourself to get in the process of whatever you're starting is Again, at least for me, I actually start writing and I'm like, oh, wait, 30 minutes went by. I love this. I feel really in the flow. And then I think what's also really interesting is I've done this to myself before, too. I'm not sure if you have. I'm sure maybe Probably. some listeners have. Probably. But when you find yourself in the flow and you're like, oh, my God, like, I'm in the flow. Like, shouldn't I stop? Like, or whatever. Like, you you weirdly get anxious or something. And I'm like, why am I? Why am I, like, self-sabotaging myself right now? Just, <laughs> just so interesting, the journey of being a creative, squiggly-brained person. And what's so I'm really, I'm really glad you brought that up. That the self-sabotage is that that is so it's so real on book two or 22. That that part of us, that part of our brain that has kept us safe our whole life, it's still trying to keep us safe. 
And it reminds me of Gay Hendrix when he writes about the upper limit problem that we are, are, are and then the Marianne Williamson quote, of course, I want to give everybody credit. I don't want to steal ideas. <laughs> but yeah. that our, our biggest fear is um, success. Our biggest we've experienced it this good for so long and now it's about to get better Then it's a new terrain and we're terrified of that. And even though we're expanding our capacity for um, achievement, accomplishment, success, influence there, we're still going to be afraid. And, but it's not, it's, it helped me to check in and my clients too, and put a number on what percent of you feels afraid. It's like, Oh, it's, it's about 14% right now. About 14% of me. Is, is, af- is afraid to go do this speech. About 14%. Okay. I should have done basic math. It's about 20% of me. Okay. How's that 80% of you feeling? It's so excited. I'm so jacked up. I love this content. I love this audience. I just can't wait to help people with this. I, it's going to be so much fun. Okay. Can that 80% of you take the driving, take the wheel and be in the driver's seat? And can, can that 20% of fear get in the back seat? And we'll just, which is not mine either. Um, back seat, Elizabeth Gilbert. Can the fear just be in the back seat and we'll buckle it up? Like it's not driving, but it's there with you, keeping you safe. Okay, yeah, fear, you get in the back. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Honestly, the entire time I've like been thinking as you're speaking about all of this is this podcast. I, I feel this podcast is so perfect, not only for obviously people who want to get their beautiful words out to the world, but I feel that everything you're saying just so coincides with life itself, like the process of creativity and the Mm -hmm. process of just undoing these old stories and beliefs. So I'm just loving it. And so a couple final questions. So for me, just as a book nerd, and I also feel that the listeners will be really excited. What are some books you'd recommend, some authors you'd recommend when it comes to the creative process or anything related to this conversation? Ruby Wax. Anything by Ruby Wax. Comedian, mindful-based cognitive therapist. And yes, 100%. Life-changing books. Yep. She's an American, but she's a, she's a, she moved to the UK when she was 17. So she's a a UK-based comedian. And, and mindfulness-based cognitive therapist, as I already said. So a lot of her books are about how how the brain works and how the brain works after something really scary and harmful happens to us and um, how the brain works, um, all the things. Mindfulness, it helped. Uh, yeah, I won't go into how all the ways she saved my life, but her books have literally saved my life and on so many levels. So, um, and I started reading her before I wrote my books, let that be known. So she gets a lot of credit. And then Mindy Kaling. Anything by Mindy Kaling, her memoirs, her shows, um, just 100%. She's, she's, she's a goddess, a goddess of writing. She's also a goddess for women. And I, I, yeah, do I want to say this? I do. I do want to say this. It's a block for a lot of – I serve all genders, obviously. My clients are all over the place. Um, Mindy Kaling inspires a lot of us. Maybe it's not just women. She inspires – I'll just speak from my experience <laughs> – she ins- I think it's a block for us as coaches or business owners or content creators that we think I can't be sexy and flirty and fun and also be the gosh darn authority. I can't be a fucking boss and also be sexy and beautiful and flirty and fun and and um, know my shit, be the authority, be respectful, 
um, have an abundance mindset where I make a lot of money that serves my family and serves the world. I can't be both. I can't be both. And I lived that for so many years in the nonprofit world. I, um, I, I'm, I'm a very curvy woman. I would wear sports bras and big scarves to cover up the fact that I had breast and I would, I did not have these beautiful curls I have now. I'm growing my hair out the first time in 20 years. I had the short brunette bob for two decades and I would just hide all that feminine energy because I was afraid, afraid men would hurt me, afraid men wouldn't take me as seriously as the authority that I was over them, which they, I had a wonderful relationship with men in, in work and I was their boss. They were under me. They were over me. They were beside me. Like, great. But I still had this story running that I can't be both. I can't be the authority and flirty, fun, and sexy. Um, if I'm too pretty, I'll lose my authority. And so I love, I love how that story in the collective consciousness, age of Aquarius most likely, um, the divine feminine is rising up. And it's like we can be both. We can be safely. We can be safe in our power as beautiful, sexy, flirty, fun, spontaneous, and also be the authority who knows our shit. I love that. So I love Mindy Kaling for that reason. She's just a phenomenal writer. And then, okay, work of last one I'll say, because neither of those were fiction. My all-time favorite work of fiction is right now a movie. And as always, the, the Americanized movie left out so much goodness. But Friedrich Bachmann's A Man Called Oove, which is now the Tom Hanks movie, A Man Called Otto. They changed it. They took out some stuff. But um, that book about grief, the themes of grief, and how Source provides us with supplemental family when our family of origin may have failed to love us in the way that we were worthy of or needed. Um, everybody's worthy of love. But um, I love the themes of grief, resiliency, and the supplemental family, these soul contracts that we make that people come into our life right when we need them to. So a man called Oof or a man called Uve if you're an American like myself. Those are three. Okay. I, first of all, didn't know that because i i remember reading um a man called i called him ove ove oh my god yeah well i don't know which one's I, right there I is a oh there's a swedish movie on prime if you haven't watched it of the book it's oh, it's really okay it's much better than the american one sorry tom hanks okay that because i was gonna say that's such a bummer that they changed up the american one so much like why did you change the name too? Like we we loved we loved mm -hmm. it. oh whatever yeah and they left out they left out a lot of his his child there's nothing in his childhood like all the character development backstory of of Oof's childhood it's it's not in there and so they still get the point across about why he's a grumungeon but they they left yeah so i was sad about that too because of what he went huge. through and, yeah huge oh my gosh well anyways i could go on about that but first of all i was just looking up um ruby wax first of all what if is that like her pseudo name for stage or is it like her name i think i'm pretty sure it's her name yeah that is a crazy cool name yeah she's Black. she's like, crazy cool soul how fucking cool okay because i'm on thrift books and i just looked up her name and i also love yeah all of her books look amazing i'm so excited also mindy kaling i am oh my gosh. so i love that well also first of all when we first were talking and you brought up like the most niche show ever documentary now of like okay meg is literally <laughs> the real deal and then you brought up mindy kaling and how she's a writing goddess i am so obsessed with the office i yes. am so obsessed with her like 
being the bad bitch in the writer's room, I'm like, oh my God, I, if I like in another life spirit, like after I'm done being a medium, I'm down to still be a medium like forever. But if I could be like a Mindy Kaling, yes. Literally live for that. So I love that you brought that up. Yay. Um, I'm so excited. And okay, so final question. I would love to learn to, you know, um, beautifully wrap up this podcast is what are some spiritual lessons, spiritual lessons that you have learned as a writer, as the process of writing books? The spiritual lesson that I learned from writing is, I can only say this as one that loves to write uh, nonfiction or memoir-based things. What you came to learn is what you came to teach. And there's a big whopping chance that you'll be learning and having reminders of that lesson throughout your whole life. And what you can, yeah, what you came to learn, you came to teach. So if there's a book idea whispering within you around what you've came to learn, it's time for you to teach others too. Once your wounds have become scars, of course, as Nadia Boltzweber says, let's not teach from our wounds. Let's teach from our scars. And so be the, yes. to, the to the listener, I encourage you, be, be the trusted guide in the trenches and commit to, to that. What you've come to learn, you've come to teach. Okay, literally wrote that down. Amazing. That is so gorgeous. And I know I can deeply resonate with that. And I'm sure our beautiful listeners can deeply resonate with that. And uh, Meg, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It means the world to me. I'm so excited we connected. I'm so excited to be connected with you. We are most certainly staying connected. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. And where can the wonderful people find you? How can they work with you? Or if you have anything coming up? Yes. I'd love to offer your listeners the free gift of a video training. And it is three ways to make marketing your book more fun and less frustrating. And go to megcalvin.com and click on, give me that training. Give me that training. And you can find me on TikTok, Meg Calvin, Facebook, Meg Calvin, and Instagram, Someone already had Meg Calvin. So it's hey, hey, Meg Calvin on Instagram. And I, I love to connect with fellow spiritually attuned go getters that want to write Amazon best selling books on the social medias. Yay! Oh my gosh. Amazing. Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you adored Meg as much as I did. And this conversation was just so magical. I truly walked away feeling so inspired and especially inspired to write more, write again. And please do not be shy. Please, please, please reach out to us, DM us, email us with what resonated, what landed. And make sure to, again, give this podcast a follow wherever you love to listen, leave a review, share with your friends, your family, whoever is into and down for the magic. And of course, make sure to give Meg a follow. She has all kinds of ways to stay connected and make sure to give me a follow on Instagram at the modern medium underscore. 
I love you guys so, so much. Thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you guys next time.